giving consumers a financial edge, providing economic tools designed for you to win. With the Empireonomics business guru, Al Mills, and the credit lady gem dropper herself, Monique Macklin. Hello, 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 and welcome to Wake Up and Win with Al Mills and Monique Macklin. My name is Monique Macklin, and I am known in the industry as the credit lady. And I, this is Al Mills, a.k.a. the prophetic financier, the world's number one socioeconomic mobility strategist. And we have created a space that is designed to enlighten, empower, and edify people to their next level of economic success. On this platform, we do that by having conversations that require you to examine your current situation and make changes as needed to get you to the life that you desire to live by thinking better, thinking better, and leveraging better. Now, on today's show, Al and I will be discussing choosing your right industry niche. So, Al, let's go ahead and jump right in. And, and talk about what is the best way for someone to decide what industry or industries they should participate in. Awesome, awesome. So let's go with that that nice bougie word, niche. Uh, <laughs> what is it? First of all, what is a niche or a niche, whichever you wish to choose? Mm-hmm. Um, it should be a, sec, a secular segment in business that you can come in and immediately solve a solution for the recipient. Okay. So, in, so in layman terms, you should be in the problem-solving business. And what problem can you solve? And is it a big enough pool of people who have that problem? You need so many, so many people choose their their niches or their business model by what they like, right? Or what their what passion, passion is, yeah, now, right. And then that's 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 admirable. Yes, it is. You should follow your passions, but your passions don't necessarily make you profitable. This is true. This is true. So you have to, like you said, follow what the market is demanding at the time. Absolutely. Follow is a saying in investments uh, that the trend is your friend. Right. But I think that goes in line with clothing, investments and business opportunities. You should always identify what is the upward traveling trend or a functioning trend and get involved in that and create commerce for yourself. Well, let me ask you this on that. When it comes to trends, trends go, they come and trends go. So you have to find a trend that has staying power or how would you go about that? Well, you see, trends are sometimes secular in nature. Okay. So as long as you keep your thumb on the pulse of what people need in the industry, you always add additional products and services and experiences to your business. And if you don't want to add them that way, you could joint venture with others who have that specific product or service that you can offer your clientele if it's a need for it. So the key is you have to become, and the, and the ancient martial arts is that you should take on the characteristics of water, which mm, means that water can, it can be fluid. You can fit into any container okay. and you can operate in various forms of of a physical property, maybe liquid, gas, or solid. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So you see, water can in, in its liquid form can go into any container. Right. In its frozen state, it can be take the shape of the container that it was frozen in. Mm-hmm. And then, in the mystificative aspect, it's somewhat like a gas. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So you have to take on that characteristic when you're choosing your niche. See, most folks are rigid. You know what happens when you're rigid, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't enjoy the best of things. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so you have flow. You, exactly. I was going to say you got to be willing to to also adjust and 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 be able to to move as the the trends are moving. Um right. Now, so in that case, you just mentioned maybe partnering with. So could your niche be to start just partnering with people or just buying into businesses? Well, good. If you're starting out right now, mm-hmm. um, it would be advantageous to you to be able to just identify a great need okay. in your in your constituency or in your avatar, which is your target market. Right. And instead of spend time in research and development, you could offer a product or service that someone's already did the heavy lifting. Right. And you can just plug and play and get involved with sharing that product to someone else, which may say, hey, me, me, affiliate marketing, if you will. Mm-hmm. But not all affiliate marketing is created equal. However, the more niche down you are and you really know the specificity of what a person wants, then you could do that. So my recommendation would be, if you're going to start a business today, let your niche be building an email list. Mm, okay, that makes that should, sense. That should be your business. The business of building an email list. Right. What you build offline, because like building your followers is one thing, but being able to communicate with them through email is another. That's correct. And then from there, you can pretty much identify, become a needs identifier, identify what their needs are mm-hmm. and go out and fill the order. That makes sense. That makes That's a lot of simpler. But again, with the proper coaching and mentorship, we can make that that path a lot shorter for you. Okay, so it, it kind of when I see things happen in the industry, like say uh, um, uh, someone starts a new makeup company, and I'm always thinking there's a million makeup companies. Why would someone want to start a new makeup company? And then that makeup makeup company booms, and I'm like, really? <laughs> well, the old what's the old adage? <laughs> Competition thrives business, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true, but I, it's always fascinating to me how one company can be around for years, and then another one just happens to pop up, and they turn into a billion-dollar entity out of nowhere. Well, um, well yeah. here's, here's the secret behind that that most people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, being in business as many as I've been into, it's called a distribution deal. Okay. So basically, you could be a new brand operating your distribution through an old Old, brand. oh, yeah. So there's true. a joint venture agreement. That is we, true. We we have the marketplace. We have the concession stands and all the in all the latest retail stores mm-hmm. and the like. And we can just we can allow you to use our distribution channels for a percentage or royalties of sales. That makes sense. So that that's how that works. It used to work that way in the record business, and it works that way pretty much in all types of businesses. So you can have a business that. Say you're in the tire business, right? Mm-hmm. You, you sell tires, but you can link up with a company that sells cars because mm-hmm. your tire business is congruent of the core competency of the auto automaker. Mm-hmm. And you can then cross-sell. You guys can do a strategic partnership and cross-sell and both make money. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. And if you want to be a baller then and learn mergers and acquisitions, mm. you can actually buy into the company and just triple or quadruple your revenue. That's a that's a high level conversation for those who are serious about that. Again, you know we could talk to you about that. No.
so you, yes. you're there okay so yeah. yeah the um so now when it comes to choosing maybe the right state to become incorporated with i know you said get your emails together start that trend see what people want see what people need and go from there the next thing you want to do is begin to incorporate yourself now you don't want people to just go out and become uh have you know go from a job to now owning a job so yes you have to create a business and set up your business properly so that um, one, you reap the, the tax benefits that you are supposed to reap as opposed to being in a high tax bracket. <laughs> Got that right. So you want to make sure that you are setting up your, because most people just run out and start an LLC, right? So, and they think that's all that they need to do to start a business. And that's not the case. Definitely not the case. You need to know what state, what state is best for what you're trying to do. Um, and, it, and it doesn't matter if you live in that state or not. You can still have business started in that state. Well, that's the biggest myth that you think that you have to live in the state in which you operate. That is not true. Mm-hmm. There's something called a resident agent that would be your representative for legal processes in that said state, right? Right. But, but then also you can have a virtual address and all that. You don't have to even be physically in a physical office to operate. Oh, see, a lot of people don't know that. All yeah. right. And now what are, when it comes to the top. The top, the top to states. The top three worst states to become incorporated. Oh, you said the worst. You want to start with the I worst. I want to start with the first. worst. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, the worst state would probably start with probably Alabama, Louisiana, Vermont, and maybe Maryland would be mm-hmm. the top four. And the top five would be at Arkansas. And then, of course, New York State and Connecticut is in the distance seventh and eighth. So, yeah. Those are the worst states to those be are incorporated. The, the and that's red only flags. Because, those are red <laughs> flags. And, only, and, and again, they're powerful states. I have had corporations incorporated in New York State, for okay. example. You know, but the corporate tax rates are very high, and so is the individual income tax rates and sales tax and property tax and unemployment insurance. So those are the things that you have to look at when you're incorporating. Mm-hmm. What now, is the corporate tax rate? Best, first of all, what's the corporate, the tax, corporate rate? tax rate? Now, mm-hmm. let me ask you this. Are there certain businesses that you have no choice but to register in that state that you're, you're actually operating in? Like... If you're, um, a, I guess, a physician or something like that, do you have? Yes, to, you do then have you're to state. Be. Then you're state compliant. Yes, you have to be state compliant. Then, okay. But, but let's talk about that for a minute. In the last segment, we spoke about passive income and active income, right? Right. Now, again, let's look at how we were taught in society: go to school, get a good education, right? Mm-hmm. Get a good job. So the good education may be an advanced degree. Now, we're all advocates for education here, but we have to also have overstand specialized knowledge. So here you are, you graduate med school and you are a physician. Mm. Very, very high esteemed title in society, but you only earn when you show up to the ER or the emergency room to perform the service. This is true. This is true. And I thought as much as a bill is when somebody has a baby, I just heard um, some physicians speaking recently and they get paid $3,000 per delivery. Not that saying that's bad, but I thought it was more than that, (laughs) especially based Mm -hmm. on the bill that comes from when a woman gives birth. 
Well, so, let's look at the corporation. Look at the cooperation of that corporation. Did you okay. catch what I said? Yeah. The cooperation for the corporation. The corporation is the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. So that that OBGYN or obst- obstetrician mm-hmm. has to still bring the hospital OR into play. So the OR and the hospital get their piece for the use of the surgical room, operating right. room. Right. Then you have the anesthesiologist who's going to come in and give the, the, the expecting mother an epidural or some yes. kind of a anesthesia, anesthesia, some form of anesthesia, right? right? Then you have the surgical nurses in there, the midwives or whomever, mm-hmm. and then you have the doctor. So everyone is being paid. That is true. So when that bill comes out, he gets three grand. You know, how long was the stay in the hospital? That's another bill and the mm-hmm. like. So there's the cooperation of a corporation. Of a corporation. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I get it. I get it. Okay. But yeah, I always thought it was like a lot more for some reason. I was like, what? That's it? So now let's talk about the, I guess, top five better states that one can get incorporated in right. when they're looking to get incorporated. Well, it's always been the old adage, just it's a false, false, falsehood of practice. People always say, Nevada. Yeah. Well, Nevada is one of the best states to incorporate. Mm-hmm. However, you know, it may not be in the order of the best. Um, Correct. Based on my research for 2022, mm-hmm. the top five for the best states to form an LLC or corporation in Mm-hmm. Is Wyoming leads the list? Wyoming, wow. South Dakota, Alaska, then Florida, and then Montana. Montana, okay. Those are the top five, and there's a multitude of reasons why that is the case. Okay. But Wyoming keeps things strong every year because of their very low, very low franchise corporate tax rate mm-hmm. and the individual income tax rate. When you think of it from that perspective. So, so if you're looking at doing that, and this is again in the statutory space mm-hmm. uh, for those who are in our in our VIP or, or in mentorship programs, we talk about the non-statutory where you operate in trusts and right. in business trusts where you have even better tax treatments, if you will. And again, we're not giving legal or accounting advice. No. We're just sharing our personal opinion and mm-hmm. experience at an educational form. I just want to make sure we, we are compliant with our disclosures here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Definitely. So, so Definitely. Sure okay. Yeah. So, no, I just wanted to give people an idea of where not only finding your niche, but where to actually start this whole process of building your business and starting your business and building business credit and getting funding. So that's another thing that people need to understand when they're looking to go into business, you're going to need working capital. So how successful you become will also depend on how much revenue or how much money you have on hand. That is so true. That is so true. But once again, here's another fun fact. I always say you need a principle and a foundation. Yes. You know, a wise person, man, woman, or child, if you you will, must Mm -hmm. have wise counsel. So one of the fundamental things, if you're going to start any business, Mm -hmm. create your advisory council, also known as your board of directors. You want to have a group of people who have experienced the things that you want to do and have accomplished the things that you desire. And then they could guide you and provide this valued information. So once again, circle, surround yourself or circle yourself with more intelligence than you have. Makes sense. 
Now, your board of directors are people who are going to have ownership in your company, right? Generally, yes. Uh, most board of directors get a very fractional ownership, but in exchange, in lieu or exchange of their intelligence. So I think that's a small drop in the bucket mm-hmm. to have your mentor and or your other advisors be on that board so that you will always know how to pick up the phone and get the answer that you desire. Exactly. Now, do you do you recommend, because most people go to Google for everything or YouTube for anything, um, do you recommend people, of course, doing their research on what they're looking to get into, but they they still will need to have guidance of of their board of directors? Absolutely. Their advisory board, right? Right. You should never make a decision independently. You should always make a decision corporately or cooperatively with more than one opinion or one or more insight so that you can kind of weigh the pros and the cons for sure. Okay. Now, what if you, what if you don't have someone that you, or people that you can lean on in that? Because some people don't. You know, most people, a lot of people um, come from working class, you know, from the working class and they may not know anybody. So, but they have, a need and a drive to want to have their own business is, is is it safe to say let me at least research and start doing something or at least get a mentor that's what you're saying at least start with a mentor i would always say start with a mentor or someone who's done what you're trying to do because again we got away from that apprenticeship mentality but that's the best way to learn is through hands-on with right. someone doing it Right. So again, your net worth is always connected to your network. network. So who are you hooked up with? Mm-hmm. If you're not hooked up with intelligence or wealth or insight, how do you begin to become profitable? That is true. Okay. So what is, I guess, the top two or three things you think people should do when they are just to bring it you know, to a close? You're, you're saying get a mentor. Well, find the trends, understand the market demands. Um, don't worry about being passionate about your niche because passion doesn't get you profits, you said. Um, learning, pretty much really just getting, finding where you want to go and then finding someone to partner with that can help get you there. That's, that's the simplest and fast track way to do that. Okay. And again, we're not saying here that you should not follow your passion. You have to finance your passion. It always comes back down to your Mm -hmm. economic base. That's why, here's the saddest thing. Okay. It's very difficult for a poor person to run a foundation or to become a philanthropist. Oh, oh yeah. Because you can't give what you don't have. Exactly. And so when you you see so many of these individuals who don't have the wealth and the wherewithal to do that, people are hesitant of giving them money. Why? Because Mm. that's their come up. That is true. Wealthy people who are producing, who are producers can then share the love. So the operative opportunity should be go and create your wealth, Mm -hmm. then come back and finance your passion for your grassroots situations, not Mm. the other way around. That makes sense. So create your wealth and then come back and, and do what you 
passionate, you're passionate about. about. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to be a painter, <laughs> become a painter after you've amassed some wealth. That makes Correct. a lot of sense. Because then you don't have to worry about being profitable as a painter. You're doing it because it's your passion, mm-hmm. not that you need to eat and live off of it. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. If it happens, that's that's just icing on the cake. Right. But in many right. instances, that's not what happens. No. You have to find something, like you said, that, that the market is calling for, which is trending right now. Yeah. So when it comes to these gig economies, because we talk about, we, we seem to talk about that in every episode of both. <laughs> the gig the re- economy. The gig economy. And what is, um, is that law, can that, can that begin to fund can, yes. I, can you use that to start funding where you're trying to go? Well, let's talk about the gig economy really quickly. So the gig economy, you know, is kind of like hand in hand with the pandemic and all that, not able to go to a physical location. Right. And so people now are able to work from home and do various things and, and share. The gig economy is like the shared economy. Exactly. Everything is being shared. Cars are being shared. Houses are being shared. Yeah. Conferences are being shared. You know, what else is going to be shared? So in this gig economy, more people are becoming self-employed. Yes. And again, self-employment tax, depending on which state you incorporate in, mm. is higher than, that is an, a, an unnecessary expense that you need to have if you're properly structured once again. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a very eye-opening conversation. Uh, I, I really want people to understand that you know, it's really not about your passion initially. It's really it's about what's going to get you, like you said, to your profits as quickly as possible. But the other goal is in our like in our last show, it's about creating things that can be contract can start to become contractual well. So you may have a starting point maybe in something that is transactional riches, like the gig economy. But the goal is to try and pivot your way into the passive in, passive income lane, the contractual wealth lane, um, and, and honing in on your niche at that point. Sure, absolutely. That's the only way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Alice, it's been, as always, a very enlightening but educational conversation. Uh, likewise, likewise. I love it. Okay. And, yeah, and we'll be back with another topic Um in the next coming days and, and to talk about something else to help people live better. Uh, well, think better, bank better, and also to leverage better moving forward. Absolutely. Thank, right. thank you so much once again and thank you guys for listening. Thank you. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you for listening to Wake Up and Win with Al Mills and Monique Macklin. We hope you've been enlightened by today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends on your social media platforms. If you have any questions or comments, follow us on Instagram at Wake Up and Win Show.